the Abstract Athlete Podcast, where art and sports collide. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Abstract Athlete Podcast. Stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com and beginagaintoys.com to check out our new product line. Also, remember to listen to the other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, the Abstract Doctors Podcast, and the Abstract Veterans Podcast. And if you have any questions or comments, please send it to info at theabstractathlete.com. Very excited about the podcast today as I get to speak with artist, former athlete, and founder of the creative platform Kendall Projects, Jason Kendall. Make sure to follow Jason on Instagram at Projects underscore studio and stop by his website, kendallprojects.com. Let's welcome Jason Kendall. What's up, brother? How are you doing? Hey, I'm good. I'm doing good, man. I'm doing really good. How are you? I'm awesome. <laughs> Just living great. the damn dream, man, on a, on a daily basis. Okay. I hear you. <laughs> nice. You got a guitar behind? Okay, sweet. I like this. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, dude. Yeah, I'm in the studio now. Nice. Um, well, thank you for doing this. I'm, I've already started recording as i always do just like bam ready to roll um yeah but thank you like i there's for me like there's like a ton of stuff to chat about like we met through instagram um noticed you were you're an artist athlete um are you a musician as well i am yeah i uh yeah absolutely I, i i about um i guess about six or seven years ago i uh I built my first guitar. Oh, damn. From a kit. And so I've built a few of them since then, but it's, um, it's a long, arduous process. And, uh, I actually have an, I actually have a neighbor, a neighbor that I don't know if he builds, I mean, I know he could, but he totally strips them apart and puts them back together. And he's been, he's a tech for a couple different bands here and there, like nationally, he flies, flies off to Australia to do a week and stuff. So it's pretty rad. Well, dude, no, yeah, but they're, thank- sculp- they're sculptures. Yeah. They're sculptures for sure. I think. Oh, I mean, totally. that's how I see them anyway. Like they're pieces of art. I mean, like absolutely. Yeah. Pieces of work. Absolutely. I agree. But dude, like, thanks for doing this because like, again, it's really cool for me. Like, and I say this a lot that I just get to meet all these different kinds of people um, and, and get them on the podcast to talk about like their relationship to a physical practice and a creative practice, how it kind of, you know, informs their life and different stuff. And, and so like, I definitely want to get into like your history of how things, you know, came together. Like you football player in high school actually went on to South Carolina initially then to, uh, what was it? North green? What was it called? North, North Greenville college in, yeah, in upstate. Yeah. yeah. And then you Small went to school. Yeah. Small school, but I, Hey man, like playing sports in any call, any level in college is impressive. Like it just is. And, um, but then you like went off and you went to, um, to Ringling 
correct? Yeah. And then and to get an archery. Like for me, the cool part doing some research was when you were at South Carolina, you were actually a studio artist, which is fascinating for me because I actually okay. I think when we talked the other day, I told you like I teach at Virginia Commonwealth and I started a program slash classes um, the kind of mirror what we do at the abstract athlete. And it's like working with student, a lot of student athletes. It's not just for student athletes, but it's really truly for anybody, but it's a lot of student athletes take it. And me being a student, you know, former student athlete, knowing the time constraints of that, like being a studio artist is hard. Like yeah. I just can't imagine doing that because I think the thing that people don't understand is like when you're an artist, it's never done. Like it's, Right. Like, like when you right. study, like it's done, you can finish studying, but like a project is not done until it's done. It's like, so it's the time constraints are so different to me. Yeah. I, you're, you're talking that you're, I, 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 I'm sure other people have said this, but when you, when you, especially like an exhibition, like if you're making a body of work that you're going to put out for in a gallery space, that's an exhibition. It's, I've heard musicians talk about this too. It's like birthing a child. I mean, it takes, you know, yeah. I, I can't compare it, but I can only, it. it's a part of you when you let it go and to yep. build something and then, and then you're, even when it's out, it's still, it's, you still have to, you have to, you live with it forever. It's yep. always something you'll revisit uh, somehow, some way. So I absolutely, it's, I don't, you to try to explain to somebody, back you're talking about being a studio artist. You know, you're a freshman in college. You're dealing with all that, and then being on a, a, a Division One football team. You know, the, you tell the coaches ask you. You have those meetings about academics, and they ask you what you're you're interested in or what your your major is, and you tell them studio art, and they they give you this look like you're an <laughs> alien. Like they're like, okay, you know, it's like okay, good luck with that. You know, and they have no point of reference to what you're talking about. Like you, it's one, one, you you don't know what you're really getting at, and then two, there, it's like speaking a different language. So. I, I had I had Don Hasselback on, who you know he played uh, in the NFL for like seven years, I think, and he's from Cincinnati, which is funny because I'm from Columbus, and he was telling this story when he was getting recruited. He went up to Ohio State, and Woody Hayes was still the coach then. Who I actually used to trick. Oh, wow. I used to actually trick or treat from Woody Hayes because he lived in my town. So, but it was funny because he was like that same scenario you just talked about. The, Hayes like asked asked Don what he wanted to study, and he was like, "Well, coach, I'm a I'm an artist. I want to study art." And he said Woody was like on a rolling chair, and he kind of rolled back into the hallway and he yelled down the hall to one of the coaches like, Hey, blah, blah, blah. Do, do we know any, any people in the art program? <laughs> so it's just like, because I don't think any, like hardly any student athletes go into creativity. I mean, I think it's getting better. And I think it's, you know, that realization that creativity kind of seeps into all fields. It doesn't mean you have to be like a studio artist or whatever, but having a, a creative activity it promotes critical thinking it promotes communication so like all those things fit into the world and so i think what we're trying yeah. to do at, you know we're at, with this class stuff is that promotion of having a creative act that can you can take with you beyond school like it because i think it's important we're all creative we know this but it's just you and i have right. like decided that creativity is our means of existence <laughs> 
not everybody has to do that, but having yeah. a practice is great. Yeah. Well, so it's not just, I don't know. If it's uh you said a decision to be, I don't want, and we'll talk more about my story is like, as I, anytime I tried to get away from it, it, it or thought that I could put it on a shelf or step away, it's like a thing that grows and it creates its own momentum. And I mean, when you, when you ignore it, it's going to take on a life of its own and it's going to become something else or it's going to fester. And I remember, and I've said this a lot in my, uh, in my talks, you know, when we, when I started out in art school and then of course in graduate school and being in New York, you know, they were, they would always say something like, you know, a very small percentage of you are going to make art the rest of your life. And, you know, at the time I dismissed it, you know, but now there's something about it. Like I was, I feel like I've been touched with something that I can't never ignore. And it's a part of me that I'm always creating something on some level. Now, now that I have a business and I, and I, and I am creative for a living, the other stuff, it, um, it gestates or it marinates and then it, it'll come out on its own time. But the idea of having a practice like an exercise, if I, I'm always making something and, and there's no idle hands, like there's always something else to do, or there's always this building list of ideas that are constantly rotating through my studio practice and my life. Um, and then when you're back in school, that's, you're talking about time management. It just, it just becomes one of your routines. And then, but when you get out of that, you have to find it for yourself. And I think what you're talking about now is teaching people to be aware that you have to find your own practice or your own way of controlling that creativity or I don't control and managing it maybe. Um, and then also nurturing it and letting it be a positive force instead of a negative force. Because when I back to my original point is like when I, when I ignore it or didn't make it a priority, it became a negative force. Yep. So you, yeah. so you, you grew up like, in, and again, I'm just through research and reading about you like so you grew up an athlete um yeah like did you play other sports baseball basketball anything yeah yeah i mean yeah i mean i was always active like you know yeah. i mean as far as other than team sports you know i grew up on the lake water skiing um i played baseball you know little league uh I, you know i threw the shot put in discus and and you know for the track team that kind of stuff sure yeah, yeah. i was always you know i was big skateboarder before I started playing football, you know, when I was a kid, I love skateboarding. So, you know, that's a huge part Powell Peralta, all that stuff was a big part of that, you know, I, uh, of my life. But yeah, I was always super active BMX. And I think that was, you know, when we talk, we'll talk more about it, but like, like I triathlon bit me when I bought a mountain bike yep. and I was like, okay. And then I was a lifeguard. And so I just, but yeah, I was always a athlete, always active interested in some kind of sports no because sure. I, I was what i was going to say is like i read something and i kind of had this same experience too because i was a quarterback and i i could throw the shit out of the i mean i was baseball was my main sport but like i could throw the shit out of a football like and and yeah. and and i 
but you said something in, in what I was getting at. You said something in an interview somewhere that you never really truly loved football, <laughs> and 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 it was like I, I assumed it was one of those things that you were just good at it. Like I can I can understand that because I was good at football. And I just got sick of it. I just got sick of getting hit and, you know, I had multiple concussions and, and I, you know, like I probably could have played at a lower level college if I wanted to, but I quit my senior in high school, but it's, so I guess my, where I was going with this is a lot of people where, and I, I went through this personally when I had to quit, where I quit baseball in college, that kind of void of of sports or like the locker room or whatever. Did you, did that hit you or were you like, like you already had like this kind of sense of being like you were, you were an artist too. Like I didn't have that at the time because I didn't know what I was doing when I was in school. I, like I should not have been in school. I I've said this multiple times on the podcast, but like you already had this kind of, you know what you were doing, but did that loss of the kind of team sport thing, how did it hit you or did it hit you? Well, that's a great question. Um, so in right when I quit playing football, I had another year of eligibility and I was like, no, this is definitely not something that I wanted to do anymore at all. Like I didn't want to be a part of the culture at all. Like I definitely was done. So, and then um, there was a year gap between quitting playing football and then actually going to art school, like moving and, and, and initially it was really just, um, it was a certain relief that I had. And so when I went to art school, it was learning a whole new mode of operating. Uh, and there was so much to learn and absorb. And I was lucky enough to live with three other artists, um, when I was at Ringling and it was, and I, you know, now I'm, now I'm saying that is that, that, those relationships with those three other guys in that house and we were you know super creative and, and pushing the boundaries of all this new stuff we were learning that was the team environment that was almost like uh, my team and that was that's that was uh yeah that was the, the the replacement for that and and they were and then also too at that time they, there was never very little talk about my experience playing football like they still didn't even the the professors and the, the the school they they had no idea what that meant and then at the same time I didn't really want to talk about it like I didn't want to explain it like I was learning these other things I was becoming this other person um I was really truly learning about the idea of art as a craft as a practice and I didn't I, so I didn't I didn't I didn't want to talk about it, but I did talk of begin making work about being a man or, 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 and also deconstructing masculinity when I was later, like towards the end of my time at Ringling. Um, and then going from Ringling to moving to New York city and immediately being thrust in both my job and, the reason I moved there was because I had a core group of those friends that were doing well as artists at in in at in New York, and it was a group of people that were again pushing the boundaries and trying to make a name for themselves. 
And then you get to that and you're like, well, what do I make my art about? Yep. And then I began reading uh, books on uh, postmodern thought on identity construction and how, how we become who we are. And, you know, and I began writing a lot. And then when I was in New York, you don't have a lot of space. You know, my initial studio was probably maybe a hundred feet by a hundred feet. And so I had to, you couldn't, you didn't have the resources that you had when you were art school. So you try to figure out what to do. And as I wrote and journaled and read, I realized that I had never processed that divorce from football. I, I would say it was that it was that divorce. Like it was like a, um, uh, not an abusive, maybe, yeah, maybe may abusive relationship with your body and your, who you are and your time even. And I never processed it. Uh, and then I began reading more. And then, so I began making work about my experience uh, playing football and then also mixing it in or juxtaposing it to this postmodern critical theory that I was reading at the time. So, and that began the process and through and up until probably right before COVID hit, probably 2018, I think, was when I was finally like, okay, I, that's that chapter of that work is is done. So 17 years of making work about it uh, and really digging down to the point where I feel like I've I'm finally past it. Now I can make work about other. You know, this other journey with sports or um, athletics. Uh, but yeah, that was that was how it happened. Like, so it was a a moment where I needed just a break. And then it became my life to try to digest my experience as a football player, uh, more specifically a college football player. Yeah. No, and that's kind of fascinating to me, like, because I think a lot of people deal with it. Well, maybe they don't deal with it, but they they're hit with it immediately. I was, you know, I mean, and maybe that's because I didn't have, or I didn't understand that outlet, that transition that you had like going. And I love the fact that you do speak about art school being kind of a team because, because it is yeah. like you're in the studio at three o'clock in the morning with a group of people, much like a locker room would be like, and I, I, I had that same, same kind of, feeling about it it's it's um but it took me years to get yeah, you, to the point yeah the, you know the professors used to talk about that and i mean I've, even in in graduate school you heard it and i and i because i had because i had gone from the school into the real world and then back into school i i really believe that those two years when i was at nyu like those those relationships that was exactly i i I savored it. You know, I was very conscious that these were experiences that I, I would not have otherwise. And so, yeah, when, but when, you know, you hear professors when I was an undergrad, when I was at Ringling, they're like, you guys don't realize how good this is. And you guys hate each other and you're at it. You're at each other's throats. You're, you know, you're, you're, you're not taking advantage of this. You know, that basically like a coach, would tell like you're not you're not practicing hard enough. Yep. Um, you need to like you need to be aware that these are precious moments. And I was lucky enough. So when I was in undergraduate, you know, I was 22, 23 years old already. And so I was my peers were 
right. Most of them were right out of high school. Like these are, you know, 18, 19 year olds. So I'm four years older than everybody. And so there was definitely, I mean, I'm saying this out loud now, but at the time I definitely, I navigated that differently than they would have. I had the, I had the Um, same, I had the same experience. I had, I had, uh, I quit my, you know, I was, I played baseball at Ohio state for like a year and a half. I got redshirted, so I never played. Um, and then I realized like I should not be in school. I was taking architecture, like a, just not, I didn't know what I was doing. Like, you know, and so then I quit school for eight years and came back. So I was like you, I was this older person knew that I wanted to be in school, knew why I was in school knew what I wanted to do in school, you know? So it's, it's a whole different scenario than I think a lot of kids are in school for. Like they're just kind of, you, you go from high school to college. That's what you do. And like, if you don't know what you do, you just take something that you sort of like, or your parents tell you to take. And it's like, okay. I mean, you know, I'm not sitting up here to trying to bash that idea. You know, it's just, it is what it is. And, um, I thankfully got out and then came back for myself. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that was, I'm making work about the, the hero's journey right now. Um, that's the work I'm making now. Um, but I just read Stephen Pressfield's, um, the artist journey and it's basically taking the hero's journey and the artist journey and talking about how they're the same so as we talk about that that going back to school like that was that was me accepting the call to adventure the first call to adventure um so but yeah knowing that what i wanted to do i I knew i wanted to be an artist as a profession i had no idea what that meant (laughs) um at all but I knew that that was, that was, I was dedicated to that, that pursuit. And yes, um, I think earlier on in my art school career and even earlier on in my art career period, that knowledge or that commitment to becoming something when people didn't know what they wanted to become and also coupled with my competitive athletic experience caused a lot of friction. I think in earlier relationships, because I wanted to win. Like it was, it was a competition like crit day. When you were finishing a project, I wanted to win. I wanted to be the best. I wanted to make the best work out of all my peers. Like I wanted to blow your socks off with something. And I, had I, think very that, little- I, I don't think that's a bad thing personally. Like it, I, it's one of those things that I think when I do talk to athletes that are artists, you know, that are doing it out front, um, as opposed to everybody else that doesn't do it. But I think it's, I think that drive comes from sports. Like it's just yeah. kind of in us. And I don't think that's, that's not a, I don't think that's a bad thing. Like I, it's like, it's a healthy competition. Cause in, in some ways, even though like there is a competition like, maybe with your fellow students in some ways, but it's, it's really with yourself. You're like, I want to make this the best damn thing because I want to make it the best damn thing. And I'm going to work harder than you because that's the way that I was built 
as an athlete. And like, what's wrong with that? Like, I, I, I think there's something actually kind of healthy about like having that drive, you know? I mean, it's, I think the stereotype of an artist is that we're lazy and we're kind of flighty and stuff. And it's like, actually I'm, I'm extraordinarily disciplined. I'm in my studio every day, just like an athlete would be in, in at a field or court or whatever. And I know that's where that comes from. I know that discipline comes from my athletic upbringing. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, and look, I, I don't, I, again, I want to be very careful with like my, I'm much, I'm, I'm approaching 50 now. So, and, and, and I I'm have, past and it, I have, so. <laughs> okay. And I have two young kids that are about to turn 14, two, I have twin girls. Um, and, and so like my, my belief system is, is definitely changed over the years, but there was a very conscious, um, throttle put on me by professors and mentors to dial down that masculine athlete thing. Like it was very much like you got to be careful how you're treating people and how you're, and I was very much like, fuck that, <laughs> you know, fuck that. Like I definitely got in trouble and I learned how to dial it in and, 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 and know when to navigate that. Um, but yeah, it was, and it was, and I think that's probably where I, began making work about masculinity is that idea that it was a bad thing. And then the male gaze. And uh, so, so, and my mentors were uh, most of my professors that really took me under their wing were, were women artists and feminist women, women artists. And I was into doing performance art and making sculptures. And so there was this, uh, re-education about like what I needed to know as an athlete artist or if I was a, or or a heterosexual man going into these uh art rooms where I needed to navigate and all that and I you know and it, it, lack of a better term you know I was still a jock you know for the most part like I was still getting up and going to the gym like even then, like I would get up and go for a run or go to the gym or go to the pool or ride my bike. You know, I was, and no one else was doing that. I mean, no, I don't, I don't even think any of my art school peers were exercising at all. Um, much less the way I was doing it. It was up at, you know, if I had class at eight o'clock, I was up at six, got my workout in, showered and ready to go, you know? So, and it was, you know, and it, 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 it has been that way since. The Abstract Athlete is sponsored by and in partnership with Begin Again Toys. Begin Again Toys is an eco-friendly and educational toy company focused on sustainable ways to explore and play with a goal to inspire children with stories of innovation, adventure, and good old-fashioned fun. For more information, visit beginagaintoys.com. Well, no, I was going to say that that transitions into, like, you recently, I guess, I don't know how recently, but you've gotten into triathlons, right? I don't know. Well, actually, during art school, you were I doing was at Ringling. That's when it really, that was when it was like, okay, this is something that I want to do. Cause I'd left football. I got, I, I saw uh, Daryl Haley finish the, the Ironman around that time, 98 or wherever it was. 
And I was like, I want to do that. And then, so I had bought a mountain bike and I've been riding mountain bikes and then going to uh, Sarasota, there's no mountain bike trails. It's just flat, you know, in, in, in Florida. So I've got a road bike um, and I was a lifeguard. So there was just kind of like this, you know, transition into that um, sport. And then I started off doing, you know, sprint triathlons and then, you know, moving into, uh, I think the, the farthest I've done is I've done half air, done several half Ironmans since then. Um, and had the idea that maybe I would do a full distance Ironman. I think that's something that I will do eventually, but financially speaking right now, like the training and time of running a business is not that, but yeah. So to try to tie it into what we're talking about, art school, so music was a, always a big part of my athletic career. Um, and, 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 but football, football was a different kind of music that I would listen to. Yep. Um, you know, your, your hard rock, my metal, I was a big metal head and all that. So that was to get in rap music. So it was like a big, you know, pump you up. Um, but away from football, it was, it was the, it was Devin classic rock, but jam bands like the Grateful Dead, the Almond Brothers, Widespread Panic. And there were, you know, the, these 30 minute jams. So when I was in art school, because I had never like the idea of running for 30 minutes was like, you know, foreign, like, you know, that was <laughs> like, I like three miles. I mean, what, what is that? Or, or, or ride your bike. So what I used to do in art school is I would, had you know these bootleg tapes of these jam bands and i you know the 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 yellow walkman that you put on your thing and i would <laughs> so to to get past to to learn how to endure and run longer or bike longer um i would listen to these you know 30 minute hour long jams um and so and the, so that was my way of uh learning my teaching my body how to become this whole rhythm in this rhythm and and move into that so that was how that started for me and even like even now like i'm still revisiting that or processing that experience of allowing music to transport me into a, a, a headspace that i could not have gotten into when i was playing football very much. And I've done a lot of reading on flow states and understanding how flow states work and the idea of flow or being in the moment or being in the pocket, you know, basketball and I don't know, football can do it, but, but the fact that you, there are these plays, there's play after play and there's breaks in between play. I think it's harder for football players to get into that zone um, longer term but i think basketball is a great example of you can get into that flow and you can be on or even like pitchers and baseball is another great example of that um so yeah like I, I digress into that but yeah that was my so my experience in flow state through music carried me into triathlon and it's something that is I'm still exploring right now with the work that I'm making. That's what I was, I was literally just going to say that like that becomes like really interesting in terms of artwork that's created through like endurance or, or um, I guess endurance is the best word, but like, I, I yeah, love, yeah. I love that, that thinking that it, it's almost like kind of backwards, like 
learning learning to run distances through listening to music that lasts longer. Like that's actually really fascinating to me. Um, and I I think in some ways I think along those lines about how can I? It's almost like tricking your body to like do something through a creative outlet or you know from a creative space i guess you know okay so yeah yeah you're hitting on a lot of so so also what's happening at this time too developmentally like my artistic practice and things that i'm interested in so this is um this is before you got everybody's listening that this is before youtube okay yep. so this is this is just internet just starting so when you wanted to find inspiration or reference from artists that you were interested one you could look at a book or two you actually had to go find the work and and look at it and you know and i was interested in artists like for one matthew barney um his work obviously because that was like oh you're in a similar background yeah Yep. Yeah, he's a football player. So that was, and then, you know, I was lucky enough at that time, just timing, um, Dave Hickey, um, air guitar. Yeah, so, yeah. so, so, so I'm reading Dave Hickey at the time being introduced to Matthew Barney and then actually going to Tampa and seeing the Matthew Barney movie yep. and then seeing an exhibition that was there put on my Matthew, uh, Dave Hickey. And so all these things are compiling and then I'm like, okay, I'll go to the library. And I found um, Hans Namus video of Jackson Pollock painting. Oh, wow. Like the, the Time magazine, yep. actual, the actual. So see, and, and then at the same time, like I'm looking at Paul McCarthy's work, his early performance work. And I was, and so when you're on a trainer in your apartment, listening to this mu- this music and you look down and you see these sweat splatters that are hitting the ground oh you're you don't i didn't make the connection then but now i do is like this idea that even through perform athletic performance i'm a creative conduit yep. to express myself um and then so those or that early experience informed um, much of my earlier works in art, in art school. And also too, I was the only person making performance art. Like there was, no, I remember we had oral, orals. So my undergrad experience at Ringling was, was a, a four year version of a, they use it, uh, the model of a uh, graduate program for them. So we had a four year like graduate. So you had a thesis, you had orals and you had to defend your thing and you had an exhibition, which is very much like a graduate school thing. And I remember being in my orals or sitting with my advisors and they were just like, you know, Jason, we don't know what to tell you. Like you're in, you're in out no man's land right now. Like <laughs> the stuff that, I mean, I was, I was, saving up and buying plane tickets to fly to New York so I could see work, the actual stuff, like watch these videos, see these films. Cause you couldn't get them. There was no, there was some, but there was no independent film place. And the, you know, the very few in Sarasota that you, you get, you know, it was, it was such a crumb the, to the bigger well, the, world. The cremaster, that's what you're talking about. His the, right. Those I don't think those were even available until later, and then they were like limited availability. Yeah. I've actually I got yeah. lucky to see that that twice. I saw it in 
Paris and up in, wasn't it the Guggenheim? Yeah, it was at the yeah, Guggenheim. Yeah, yeah, so I saw it in, yeah. in Paris. And, and there's something like really fascinating to me. And I talk to students about this a lot, about his work, because it is like this, I always like compare it to being like in a sitcom and watching the sitcom on television because he creates these incredibly beautiful sculptures that are in these films, but then right. he'll present them in the space while you're watching the film. So it's like you're, it's, it, you know, it's like this weird kind of connectedness that I think I can't even describe like say there's another artist that does something like that. If that, you know, okay. I mean, go ahead. Yeah. So, so yes. So that was it. So, so, so I had been to see Matthew Barney's movie, Cremaster five in Tampa. And then for one of my fall breaks, I flew to New York to see Paul McCarthy's retrospective at the new museum. And so that my so so I hadn't really experienced Matthew Barney's work yet at that point. But so I walk into this open space at the old new museum and down in Soho. And there was this um, basically like a, a home cooking or a sh cooking show set. It was Boss Burger by Paul McCarthy. So there was a set like a TV set. And you walk into the space and it's lit up and all inside this set were several old TV monitors yep. and it was playing the performance of what happened inside yep. the space. I, I remember that actually. So, and going into the space, it just is rancid with rotten condiments, rotten ketchup, rotten mayonnaise. So, and then you're watching this. And so I spent several hours in that space thinking about that like these okay so these are this is a this is a is this a prop is this a sculpture like this is an installation all right i'm watching performance art it's video art it's like this amalgamation of all these elements into this package and then watching in that same exhibition watching paul mccarthy's painter where he was more or less making fun of Will Willem de Kooning. And it's this live performance, like watching a football game. It's, you know, a three hour long commitment to watching the entire performance. So, and okay, so then, and then you see Matthew Barney who has taken that idea to the extreme, making a film and then presenting this exhibition that's tied to the film, so I began asking these questions and I'm still asking those questions, even my work now, because I'm really interested in that problem from an artistic perspective. And I, I think how I solved it for myself is the final exhibition is kind of like a crime scene where all these peripheral actions have happened around or before the, uh, the exhibition and you're happening upon the results of that, those actions. And then you, as a viewer, you're going to have to put the pieces together. Like I had to put the pieces together and you're going to leave by making up your own story about what you think happened or what do you think the meaning is? Now the artist is giving you clues 
to what they think their story is. But I think ultimately for yourself, if it's really rich with references, you're able to kind of come up with your own meaning or your own narrative built inside those things. Um, so back to your statement about Matthew Barney. So yeah, that was his ability to, tr to not have these barriers between mediums is was really fascinating like how you walked into a room where there were these drawings on the wall but they were sculptures because they had this plastic frame that were handmade and then the drawings were actually made during a performance that he did and so like there that idea of i was much more interested in in, in not having any restraint in what i felt like was important for my expression and, and those were the first, those are the first experiences to know that there weren't any rules that I had to follow. Like every, the, the rules had been broken. And so I said all that to say this, so back to um, my original point is that I got more out of watching the artist do the work than the actual finished product. And when the finished product was much more open ended like a football game or open-ended like a athletic performance i was much more intrigued by it and interested in it well and that's what i like i just sitting here listening to you talk and thinking about stuff do you think like your interest in performance art does come from sports like that kind of absolutely okay absolutely yeah absolutely absolutely um yeah i, I think the yeah the physicality of it um was is is yes it absolutely is and that 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 need to yeah so like back to you talking about like a crit like many of my earlier performances in 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 school were um i treated them like game day because it was for critique i prepared for it like that and it was and it was physical in nature now i didn't have to um at the time, I didn't have to be in great shape. You know, you could, you could pull off the uh, the athletic um, persona in front of people that had never seen it, like yep. in real, and pull it off enough so it mattered. Um, but later on, I realized that, the, and even now, the work that I'm making, it's much more uh, important for me to. Uh, be more respectful of that physical condition for for the for the work itself especially filming it going forward so yeah absolutely and it's still it is the catalyst if if, if not the cornerstone of what i do no i i just it's it makes sense but it's like one of those things because i I think about like, I do want, I've always kind of considered like, does Matthew Barney make these things because of his physical history? You know, like, and I think he probably does. Like, it's probably very much like you. It's like, he does these things because of the physicality and, and what the nature of his history, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. They are. So yeah, there, I was, I was, again, I lucky enough timing. Right. And so when I moved to New York city, I was a preparator for, an archivist for Dia Center for the Arts. Yeah. So, I was going to actually ask you, did you ever work with Richard Aldrich? Was Rich Aldrich? Nope. Okay. Nope. Nope. I don't nope. know if the timing was there or not. Yeah. That's probably passing, you know, ships yeah. in the night type yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, uh, 
But so, yeah, but so when I was my first three years of being in New York, I had a, a great circle and connections. And then by, so by the time I got to NYU, you know, my, I knew everybody for the most part or, or was connected. I could get in touch with anybody. And so I, um, I was an assistant for David Riminelli, who is a writer and editor for uh, art forum and him and I became friends. And when I was in, when I was writing my thesis in, at NYU, I was like, you know, I would, I would really, I'd really like to, to, to meet Matthew Barney and, and, and talk with him and David was very honest with me. He was like, man, look, as like, there are, he said, there are a lot of similarities between your backgrounds and what you're doing and what you're interested in. He's, but he, he says, you, you already know what he's going to tell you. <laughs> yep. So, I mean, if you meet him, that's fine. If you want it, but he's like, it's not going to help you any more than it already has helped you. Cause so that, and that was, so that was a, you know, right after the Guggenheim retrospect and the whole Cremaster thing, I had friends that worked on his crew that helped with those movies and helped with the installation of that. So I had this indoor inside view of what really happened and all that. So I, there was no, it's kind of like you've been to the puppet show, you've seen the strings. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I'm changing as an artist. So I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm moving forward. So that was a kind of like, well, yeah, there are these, he's a lot, yeah, he's talked about that. We're very similar in the physicality, but there's a certain, uh, the best way I can explain it, my, the stuff that I'm making is much more uh, blue collar, punk rock, DIY, yep. as compared to his, you know, like, I, I don't, it's even po- now, it's like, polished. It, it totally it is. is. Absolutely. It's beautiful. Don't, I mean, but it's, it's, right. yeah. Yeah, but back back to Paul McCarthy, like I'm much more interested in these sold, beaten, very, and in my and you may have seen in my my work is like you know I I repurpose old used football equipment, yep. and that stuff stinks or is beat up or whatever, and like that. Back to Jackson Pollock, the 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 splatter is much much more interesting than this kind of like hot rod shop, yeah. you know, shop painted you know, graphic. I'm, you know, that's not my thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm curious, like, so you started Kendall projects. How long ago did you start this by the way? Um, so that's another great sports story. Uh, (laughs) Um, so when I was in, uh, when I was at Ringling, one of, one of our final projects, we had to make our own website. Mm -hmm. That's where one of our, and that's, that was the first time. And I think it was, GeoCities. I don't know if you remember yeah, GeoCities. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So, so I had to do that, and and I so tr- looking up dot coms and your names. So I realized that there were at the time there were these two Jason Kendall pro athletes. One was a, a offensive lineman for the New York Jets, and the other one was a baseball player, all star catcher. Yep. Yeah. So, so I was so at that. So I was like, okay, all right. All right, I, I'm not going to use. I can't use my name. Um, and then writing, writing about the work that I was making and calling each one projects, it just made sense to say, okay, I'm going to call everything I do from now on Kindle projects to even separate myself further from athletics. Yep. 
So I will never be mixed into that. So yeah, that's Kindle Project started that okay. in 2000. Yeah, in 2000 is what we and I've and I've I've used that moniker as an umbrella for everything I do. And even now, it's we're LLC now because it's covering the studio practice and as well as the um, the media business that we're. Yeah, doing. that's what so, I like. It's really interesting to me the platform because there's just there's pieces all over the place there's like content creation it seems like there's design work there's video production there's so there's like a lot of different arms to what you're doing with this with this um this platform and i think it's cool like that's badass that that started so long ago that it's actually evolved into something that probably you couldn't even have imagined back then. And by the way, Ron Johnson's a hell of a lot harder to, <laughs> to use as than Jason Kendall. <laughs> Just to say that. <laughs> I bet. I bet. I bet. I bet. Um, yeah. So one of the things that I was told or was trying, they, they, another thing about being a stubborn, stubborn athlete and coaches that, you know, I don't think I'll, I, I never listened, you know, I was pretty hard headed. Um, they, uh, so yeah, my, there, there's, when I was an undergrad, like this idea, you got to choose one thing, man, you got to choose one thing. Yep. And I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. I can't, I just can't, like, I can't do that. I, I, I can't, I, I don't know how to do that. It's always, I'm always on to the next thing. I'm always trying something new or, or the idea that I had would have to draw the same thing every day would it's just it's its own prison um and you know and i think for me i think for me four years ago when i quit teaching school the main question i ask myself and i think it's evolved like you said but more um deliberately it's like how can i take all this experience, all this investment and time of these skills that I've learned and leverage them into something that I can make a living at without having to compromise my creative journey. And so, yeah, that we're at, I'm at a place now that I have seen that rebellion come to fruition and say you guys were wrong i, I figured it out you know do you I figured I mean, it out do you ever think about going back to teaching or have you ever thought about coaching like in football like is that ever or is it nap done did, did it did the teaching thing i'm over it teaching thing not in like a public school setting yeah um Maybe more like a mentor of sorts or something. Yeah. Well, I could just, yeah. The, the idea of one of the things I think caused me some trouble when I was teaching school is the idea that I definitely took on the, the, the role of an art teacher as a coach. Yeah. Um, I call myself an art coach. Yeah. And, and I don't, and I don't think the environment that I was in was ready for that. Yeah. Uh, the rigor that I expected from my students and even parents to understand like what I, my expectations were, there was a lot of pushback. Yep. And I, and that took me down a road with my mental health that I just, it just didn't turn out. Um, however, 
one of the things I feel like, especially right now with my Instagram stories that I'm doing, when I talk about these daily struggles of staying on my routine or struggling to become fitter and, and balance the business and balance my creative practice is I really feel like that is a way of me vlogging my, it's a way of coaching in a way like anybody, because some of you know, my, my friends from New York are reaching out now. They're like, man, I love what you're doing. We're watching your stories. It's so inspiring. Like you keep it up. Like this is something you were talking about, you know, doing 14 years ago, like before Instagram or like, so like before the platform existed. (laughs) Yeah. Like you're, you're onto something like keep doing it. And it's such a, it informs me daily, like what I'm working on. Um, I do. I just, sorry to interrupt. I was just going to say the thing I think about these platforms, like social media platforms and how, like thinking about like, what would Matthew of Barney have done if this platform existed, like, would it just, would it have been the films or would it have been the stories? Like, you know what I mean? Like, because the way that yeah. we digest things now is different. It just is like sound bites. And it's, it's really interesting to me. Like, it's cool that your friends in New York are like really understanding this because it, it's like part of your, A, it's part of your journey, but B, it's part of your process of how to get yeah. that, you know? Yeah. I mean, what, one of the one of the things that happened, um, especially in the last year, uh, I wanted my, especially my Instagram and Facebook page, the studio page, since we I separated the two. So that there's the business that I deal with business. And then there's the studio. And I can and it's, there's no rules. Like there's really like, it's, it's a gestation area for me. But what I wanted my platforms, my Instagram and Facebook to reflect, just being a direct extension of that somehow. And I didn't know what that meant. And now it, I think now it's starting to happen more. And and one of the things that happened, was I'd get frustrated with the, the, the reach or the response. And my wife would tell me like, you're just giving them too much. You're just giving them too much. They don't, they don't, they're not, they can't digest it the way you can digest things. So like breaking things up into these bits and pieces and these little, especially with reels now, like you can yeah. kind of just kind of put these little things out and, and it's, and it's freed up that for me. Um, but back to your question that I haven't fully covered. So when I was in New York, one of my side jobs, when I left, because what was happening, being so involved with the art world and working for other artists, I didn't have the mental space or I was losing the quality of mental space to make my own work in New York. So what I did is took a side job um, as an aquatics director at a a, a sports club, a big pool in Brooklyn, New York. And so I started coaching swimming. And I I actually coached swimming from that point as a part-time gig because I loved it up until during the pandemic, like we, the, the team that I coached for um, dissolved into another team for a lot of different reasons, but, but yeah, that, so I coached swimming, which is a completely different avenue or, or way of thinking about sports coaching than football coaching. Yep. I mean, cause you're dealing with little kids and big kids and girls and boys together, all on the same team, all in the same practice 
all at different skill levels. So you're figuring out how to navigate that way of mentoring kids and coaching kids and then also dealing with parents. And that's something that I love. However, the schedule is is equally as grueling as any other coach because you're it's every night and then there's no off season. Like you have long course season and you have short course season and it's every weekend. And if you're a championship coach, you're going to sectionals, state championships, you know, nationals. So you're coaching year round. And, um, and I, I would do it now if it wasn't for my, you know, I like to be done at five o'clock, you know, not starting, you know, I want to be done at five o'clock. Um, and, but football. Um, so my brother, um, also my younger brother, he played college football as well and has been a career high school coach. Oh, wow. Um, and, uh, and no, so no football for me. Like I just not the schedule, like what he deals with on, you know, what are and back to platforms, like those, the issues he's dealing with, with kids and social media and recruiting and that kind of stuff. Like I, that's a headache. That's not, that's a managing it's not just coaching. Like you're, you're, you're a sports administrator, agent, psychologist, psychologist. Yeah. I mean, it's being a teacher is, is I love it. I actually like, I really truly love it, but it's, it's just, it's yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a doctor. I deal with mental health stuff. Like I deal with psychology. So you know, a parent in some ways, I, I mean, it's, you know, it's, and again, like I, I, I signed up for that and I, 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 try to do my best, but it's a lot. It can be like a lot. And I think for me, it's like, I have a physical practice and I have a mentor, a, a creative practice. So I'm, I'm great. Like, this is like the happiest I've ever been in my life. Yeah, me and, too. And, yeah, and, absolutely. And it's, yeah. and it's, but it's like, I just don't think people outside of those spaces understand that you're not just a coach or you're not just a teacher. Like you're doing all these other things. All right. And I can't imagine being a college coach now with the NIL stuff. Uh, you oh, know, yeah. it's just like, I I don't even, you know, I mean, I, I think students should have been paid for a long time, but the NCAA, oh, yeah. the NCAA dropped yeah. that ball. Like so long now, time ago. Now, now it's like the wild West. And it's just like, you know, players are getting more than coaches. Like, you know, that's going to eventually become a problem. I mean, it's, oh, yeah. it's just going to, and like, and it's, you know, we'll see what happens, but do you still, do you still watch sports still a fan of stuff or does that? Well, do I still watch sports? Yeah. Um, so yes and no, I don't, I do not watch professional sports at all. Period. <laughs> um, one, I just don't have time. Right. And then, uh, and then at the same time, those, those guys and even girls too, I, they, they make way too much money for me to care yeah. what they're doing. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? I, you know, I have all, unfortunately, you know, I, we, we grew up in a time like the Michael Jordans and the magic Johnsons and, you know, the, um, the Walter Payton's and the Joe Montana's where, you know, these guys were not making, they were playing for the love of the game. You yeah. know, I don't, I, I, you know, when you see these guys are making hundreds of millions of dollars and then they're complaining, it's like, uh, yeah. I just don't care. But, um, and then as far as college football goes, um, no, I don't watch a lot, but I live in Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, you know, I played for the Gamecocks and my is, half of the family is Gamecock fans and the other half are Clemson fans. So 
I can't get away from it. Um, although I don't want, you know, if, if I'm at a gathering and the game is on, you know, it's in the, it's in the background, but yeah. if, if it's Saturday afternoon, um, no, I am not sitting <laughs> down in front of it. I watched, I watched um, the first quarter of Carol, uh, South Carolina played Georgia and it was like I've watched the first quarter, and I thought, well, nope, they're not there yet, and clicked it off. Because <laughs> if they're if they're just if they can't compete, then it's yeah. just not any fun for me to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I do watch, you know, I swimming. I, I watch swimming, uh, especially the Olympics. Uh, it's a definitely it's something I enjoy watching, and I keep up, but I don't watch. So the the Ironman, the first Ironman in Kona was a couple weeks ago. Yep. Um, and it's, you know, I have it on live stream, but you're talking about an eight hour yeah. race. So you can't just sit down and watch it. It's, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, get ring, you know, updates on my phone or whatever. And then, you know, I like, you know, I'll keep up, you know, I'll follow guys that are ultra marathoners and stuff. And, you know, they're, you know, again, those are I actually just had an ultra marathoner on earlier this, uh, season. Um, she, she's incredible. Like, just and it's fascinating to me because that is so far out of my understanding of athletic i mean it's just it you know you talk about getting in that flow state like she talks about she would talk about she would start hallucinating or people would right. start hallucinating because you're just you're running for 20 hours or whatever it is or a day like it's just like days I, yeah i can't even like fathom that like it's just crazy like and they're eating like pizzas while they're running like it's just like what like, it's just a different thing to me. Um, and I respect the hell out of it, but it's just like, it's not, that's not in my future. <laughs> at all. No, you know? no. Well, I, yeah, I don't, I mean, I'd love, to, you know, the stuff that I, the kind of exercise I'm doing now um, for myself, it's kind of like, I feel like, um, you know how when you were a little kid and you would like dress up as a, as a superhero and you'd play, yep. like, that's how I feel when I go out on my trail runs. Yep. You know what I mean? Like I'm, you know, I, I wish I could put in the kind of my, I wish I was, you know, I don't want to wish, but the idea of David Goggins, you know yep. what I mean? Like stay hard, you know, like, like this guy that's going to run for a week. No, he's going to run yeah. for a week. Yeah. Literally. You know, like that idea. Literally. Like, wow. yep. You know, like that. Yeah. It's fascinating. I'm definitely right now in my life in my own athletic journey, I am totally fascinated by the ultra endurance athletes i mean even like, like rich roll too like they're all that like i am yep. it's but you're right it's like it's it's completely foreign and even alien like i can't even like how <laughs> i am I, I i i aspire to run a marathon but the yep. idea that i'm going to run three in one day yeah yeah it's, it's just bonkers to me it is bonkers. it is bonkers but, but fascinating for yep. sure fascinating well like kind of like maybe wrapping this whole conversation up into this nice pretty ball at the end but and i typically ask this question in in some fashion but like so you have like you're you're an artist you like do shows you do different things you have your platform kendall projects with which has lots of facets to it. like where, like, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Like, where do you, what, or what do you want? To, where do you want things to go? Like, or unfold, or like, do you have those kind of aspirations or you just kind of go with how it goes? Oh, that's a great question. Um, yeah. So I, uh, so when I quit teaching, um, I sit, sat down and did this like, you know, five year plan. 
or a five year? Where do you see? And I'm coming, I'm into my fifth year. Um, and I try to revisit that every, every fall. Um, and, uh, so I'm, I'm in this transition point where I've reevaluated all of that. Uh, but when I wrote that five-year plan, I didn't have any idea how COVID was going to affect, yep. you know, your, your art making. And although there have been some really, I mean, us talking now is a, probably a result of the idea that we're, this, this medium is, is, um, transferable between artists like you can definitely tr ideas and images and whatnot but you know as well as i do nothing takes the place of actually being in a, in a gallery space or an exhibition space where you can experience work um and i think we're just so during covid like i just never knew like there were definitely times where i was like okay i don't what's the point of making the work but like we talked about earlier it comes out anyway um so 10 years from 10, five years from now, I think the easier for me to answer, you know, I definitely want Kindle projects, media and design company to be this small modest still, but a resource for, so I can continue to do the studio stuff. Um, the, the body of work that I'm making now about the hero's journey and this taking triathlon um and uh tag the tactical games i don't know if we you talked i don't know if you know what the tactical games is uh yeah and combining them to creating this multi-dimensional exhibition where they're about this hero's journey about this hero that goes on this journey um i want to see that to fruition with like I have with my other exhibitions. Um, I'm starting to realize there may be episodes, like an like an exhibition of an episode and then different episodes. It's like of the Cremaster, one, two, three, four, and five. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. It's similar. Yeah, it's similar. And yeah, it's also like even now, like Tolkien, like the Lord of the Rings, like it's such a big, <laughs> it's such a big story that it has to come out. And, you know, I'm, digesting it more and more as smaller pieces or smaller exhibitions of work that can be built in. So I want to show this work, finish this work and make this work um, and show it, um, you know, and so the, in, so that's really kind of the, the thing for me is, is to, and I want to shoot these things in like more film in a, th a theatrical way um not as clean as like a barney but i've been using um drones for my business for so much um learning to fly drones that i have they've become like uh way the way i'm seeing them is like so the older um performance artists they would set up a video camera in their studio and record themselves like uh bruce nauman yep. and you know carolee schneeman and uh even paul mccarthy we mentioned earlier However, what I've realized now, like these drones are so great, like they could, I just put one on in the air when I go on a run or I work out and it follows me around. So, so thinking about them as in that way of a studio practice and performing in front of a camera and then turning them into narratives. And then the sculptures that I'm, you know, making sculptures that I interact with, 
that are that's really you know sports equipment or exercise equipment and that carry a bigger narrative uh so yeah definitely let the company continue growing because i had no idea that i'd be doing what i'm doing now <laughs> for a job right like you know the idea that people pay me enough money to live you know that i can support my family by going out and shooting and editing videos like i could not even thought about that <laughs> Yeah, and I, it started as an undergrad. <laughs> it did. That's great. Like, I've been making videos for over twenty years. You know, like people ask me how long you've been editing. I was like, "Well, I mean, when there was VCR tapes." <laughs> yeah, I did. That's how I learned how to edit. Yeah. I did. That's yeah. how I learned how to edit in art school because, like, my first performance, like that was how I edited. Like, I, I did a kid a kid that was a, a you know was a broadcasting major. He was like, "Hey, I'll show you how to do this," and come in and. You know, he showed me how to do it. And then the first, you know, my first PC was this rudimentary editing program that took forever to edit and edit. So yeah, I've been doing it forever now. And so like now it's, it's, yeah, I could not imagine to do it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the, and also like, I'm knock on wood, I'm not, I don't want to jinx myself, like, but I, and I still plan to apply for grants, but I don't have to apply for grants now. Like I can budget my studio materials and my fabrication budget into my practice. I mean, all, and then now it all becomes like, how much time can I build in my week to make work for money? And how much time can I make work time to make work for myself yeah. and then have time to exercise and then my family. So it just, it becomes a time management issue now not a financial for the first time. So the sky's the limit right now. I mean, it really is. But I know that this Heroes Project work that I'm making is something that I'm super passionate about. And and it's gonna and it's gonna it's gonna see itself through. Um, but I, I have to remind myself most of my bigger exp, ex, exhibitions have taken at least five years to see in you know i've had little exhibitions here and there and bits and pieces of projects to show but it takes five years to make and really this project this work has only been going on for two two years strong yep. so i've got some time and and i'm seeing myself there you know my kids will be 14 so they'll be out of the house in college you know within you know in four years so who knows but <laughs> i'm i'm kind of understand I, I tell my wife this and i tell younger artists in the, in the in the area you know develop your routine and trust the process yep. develop your routine and trust the process and work the process and commit to that process and it'll turn out as long as you're doing the work it's when you you try to throttle that creativity or throttle that work um is when you i think you run into trouble that was a great close right there. All right, <laughs> I, great, like, I love that. No, but I, 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 again, like I say this a lot at the end of the podcast, like for me, it's, I'm just glad we connected because like yeah. you, you're, you're, you're talking and doing these things that we're trying to promote. You know, we talk about mental health and mental wellness and, and these, these two things, physical exercise, creative exercise are like two of the best things you can do for yourself and getting in yeah. that flow state and disappearing in those, those acts. And so I, I'm just like really glad that we connected. I'm glad you, I think you initially 
tagged me in a in a one of your yeah. daily kind of affirmations. I guess is a is a way to say it. Um, but yeah. it's good. Yeah, uh, uh, a girl I went to undergraduate school at Ringling. Yep, I actually started following me on on Instagram, and she reached out. She was, was it like, Crystal? Hey, Crystal. Yeah, yeah. Crystal Boyers. Yeah. Yeah. I thought yeah, that's so how the like, connection, so, like, yeah, I think yeah, so she, Crystal, like, so I followed, started following you guys and I was like, man, and, and I, yep. her and I go back, she's back and forth, just kind of, just kind of, she reaches out and say, I really like, you know, yep. she gets up in the morning too and does her thing. And, yep. and so it's really, and, and that was like, you know, it's it, when I made a recommitment to really kind of think of that, I was how to, how to use the platforms to connect to people. So yeah, that, so, and I was a fan, like what you're doing and, and can, can, what I've learned from the abstract athlete, that, that feeling, not feeling alone. And then there yep. is a community around this, not knowing that until then, you know, it's really been a great, my a way of me encouraging myself by using your content as a conduit to, to know that I'm not alone and in, in doing what I'm doing. And I think so. that there, I truly think there's more people out there that we just don't know. It just, it's just, you know, like yeah. it's, 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 I think it's just building and that, and I think the more that we can create people to do both the better of a world we'll have, to be honest with you. Like, I, I truly, truly believe that. And that sounds like corny as shit, but it's like, if people, uh, if people so. physically worked out every day and creatively worked out every day, we'd be better people. Just truly. I agree. So Yeah, I agree. Well, brother, Stronger people. thank you. Uh, this was awesome. Thank you. Um, I'll be, um, if you have any musician friends, by the way, that want to donate a song, um, feel free to send it to me. If not, I always write new music for every episode, but I'll send you, um, some like pictures and some video stuff for promotion probably in the next couple of awesome. weeks. I think this cool, is man. out in, uh, three weeks, I think something like that, but okay. I'll let you yeah. know, That's but cool awesome, brother. Man. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much, Ron. I appreciate it. Let's be in touch. Absolutely. Talk soon. Absolutely. Okay, All man. right, man. Have a great day. Thanks, buddy. Later. All right, bye. Really, really cool conversation. Just love the passion that Jason has and, and love the way that he gets to his ideas. You know, he really, he's a thinker um, and how he navigates that thinking. It's, it's just really cool. Uh, epic guy uh really excited to see where kendall project goes in the future uh remember to make sure to follow jason on instagram at kendall projects underscore studio and seriously make sure to stop by his website kendallprojects.com to see all of the things that he is doing remember to stop by our website theabstractathlete.com for information and news and check out begin again toys also for our new product line do not forget to check out the other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, the Abstract Doctors Podcast, and the Abstract Veterans Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Abstract Athlete Podcast. We will see you next week. And as always, do not forget to exercise the body and do not forget to exercise the mind. Stay well out there.